0: the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to Life in Red.
1: Welcome, finally. We're back. Episode 27, Life in Red podcast. Uh, another special guest here today. Um, very pleased to be joined by Amanda Sturzek. I said it right.
0: You did. That was oh, great. I had to
1: say it like five times in my head to get it right. Um, thank you for being here, for yeah. one. I believe this is your first podcast.
0: With you, yes. I've been on a few others, but Oh, it's been okay. <laughs>
1: okay. But they're not as cool. No, nope, not as cool. This is the coolest <laughs> one. <laughs> um, so, Amanda, like I said, uh, before we turn the mics, I'm going to let you describe who you are and why you're here, because it's, it's just a lot easier that way.
0: Sure, Uh, well, I'm a um, fitness professional. I'm a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, and in the past 18 months, author also. I've written three books on the importance of daily physical activity and helping people get more movement into their day, to live better, feel better, enjoy life, be pain-free.
1: It's interesting that you hear so you're trying to make improve people's lives um so you've written these books about moving exercise um i think when we a lot of people the i guess in society we think of happiness as indulgence um you know maybe bad food um bad movies bad tv uh relaxing like that that seems more of the sweet spot so why why do you feel that like moving and exercise because that It's hard. That's hard work for a lot of people, um, and not everyone loves it. I mean, I go to the gym, and I I don't necessarily love it. Um, Why does that improve life?
0: Well, so a couple things. First of all, um, all exercise is movement, but not all movement is exercise. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about moving more, it's not going to the gym, crushing it at that 6 a.m. boot camp. If you don't like the boot camp, don't go. (laughs) Uh, But if you like it, go for it. But also get up and move more throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, The World Health Organization has classified physical inactivity as the fourth global risk factor for premature death in the category of non-communicable diseases. So we have high blood pressure, smoking, high blood sugar, physical inactivity. Mm -hmm. You can do something about physical inactivity, right? We're turning into... um, the pod people from, uh, I I don't know if you ever saw that animated movie, but everybody looks like overgrown babies on these beds with screens in front of their faces. They don't turn and talk to the person beside them as they float down the spaceship. They look at the screen and interact with them there. And, you know, this movie came out over 10 years ago and it seems like it was a cautionary tale yeah. to how we've been evolving as a society. Future,
1: yeah. Um, what classifies then, so, like you said, um, all exercise is movement, but not all movement is exercise. Right. So what kind of movements are we talking about when we're just talking about movement that is you know doesn't classify as inactivity?
0: activity? So um, there's different ways to categorize it. It's been called light physical activity. It, uh, and a doctor researcher at the Mayo Clinic down in the States has coined the term neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So he's talking about all of the um, little snacks of movement in our daily lives, you know, the way our bodies burn energy that isn't eating, sleeping, or that, you know, going moderately to vigorously uh, hard at your one hour workout. Mm -hmm. So it's things like washing the dishes by hand, walking up the stairs instead of taking the elevator. When I was a kid, we got up and changed the channels on the TV, you know, and we didn't and we had TVs and we had commercials, so we got up and moved around during the ad breaks, whereas everybody sort of binge watches things now mm. and and they don't tend to move in their leisure time, but it's also a problem at work. So people are not moving enough at work as well and and it's, it's basically, it's killing us. It's prematurely aging us. It's killing us. It's causing a lot of injuries and pain and chronic diseases that we don't need to have. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ways that you can just add small little bits of movement that are going to break up your sedentary activity.
1: So are we talking... Um about these movements like leading to a fit life or just a healthy life like so i guess what i'm asking is when we're talking about those types of movements is that alone enough or should be people be looking at while doing this but also looking at exercise um like is is just you know Walking to get water every day into the washroom—is that going to be enough for people?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and and really it comes down to why. Like, why do you want to move more? Why do you want to exercise? You know, what's your why for fitness? Mm-hmm. Um, the Canadian um, guidelines for physical activity. So this is talking about you know what they're recommending people need to maintain optimal health is 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity a week which if you split it out over a seven-day week is about 21-22 minutes of activity a day where you're walking briskly and we also know from a lot of research studies that have happened is that it doesn't have to happen in these big chunks of time so you can have two minutes of vigorous activity you know you're rushing for the elevator or, you know, you're going for a walk with your dog and you speed up for one block and then slow down. So there's lots of ways that you can add a little bit of moderate physical activity. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. I mean, if you, I don't know if you're familiar with the blue zones.
1: Kind of. Uh, so but... so
0: the whole idea with the blue zones are there was a journalist that went around the world and looked at these pockets, these right. communities right. where... People are living well into their 90s and 100s, not just one or two, but entire communities to try and figure out what it is. And it has to do with diet, not going on a diet, but Mm -hmm. just having eating properly, eating smartly, whole foods instead of processed foods. And they don't have gym memberships. They just have physically active lives and they're outside moving and gardening and walking and, you know, nothing that um, you do in a gym, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have, there's a lot of also around community, right, Mm -hmm. that dictates what they do. But for me as a fitness professional, I look at, you know, they don't go to the gym and they're living well into their 90s and 100s because... You know, a lot of people are living until their are 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s, but they're not living well, right? Things yeah. start to break down. And um, where we see physical inactivity really becoming problematic is working people, 30s, 40s, 50s, where it is phys- prematurely aging them. So they're, have, they have diseases... Um, and chronic conditions and injuries that older people normally get, but they're getting them decades younger. Mm -hmm. You know, hip replacements, knee replacements are on the rise. I was just watching um, a documentary called uh, Stop Aging, and they did a study in the UK where they had people come into this lab, and they did all these tests on them, and they showed them, you know, here's your physical age of your body, but based on all of these um, measures we've taken, what's your Actual age right so they had one man who was 49 years old but his body's actual age was 92 because mm. he was overweight he had a poor diet he was physically inactive he sat for eight to ten hours a day at work and so one of the first things they did for him was to get him a standing desk just so that he would be upright Use more uh, muscles and load our bones in a more healthy way when you're standing upright. And then, when he started to feel a little bit better, adding in a little bit of physical activity. So, getting him to go for walks, to ride bikes. He had a problem with his knee because of um, being overweight. So, walking for too long started to cause pain. So, instead, they had him on a bicycle. So, all of a sudden, he's feeling great and feeling more energetic and he lost weight and they after three months he went back in and i think he had gotten his age down to 72 hmm. so still not 49 he right. still is but he it was sort of setting the path of here's how you can change here's what you need to do to you know to because you want something that's sustainable and mm-hmm telling someone they have to go to the gym for an hour a day for six days a week is not going to cut it with most people. And they're probably, you know, gym memberships, gyms love it, right? They, they're in the business of selling memberships. They're not in the business of getting people fit because they make money the more men- memberships they sell. And um, The Economist, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, did, uh, did a study of if all the people who actually bought those memberships showed up at the gyms, they couldn't sustain it they didn't wouldn't have the capacity for them
1: yeah it's that's why they lock you into those 12-month contracts because they know everyone will come with that new year resolution and then kind of give up by march which is super unfortunate uh i just wanted to touch on a couple things you brought up there because i think one of the biggest things and this is something that i mean i am not i'm not an like a big like shredded athlete by any means but i exercise very frequently um and when i tell people you know i make little jokes around the office hey you going to the gym today you going to the gym today It's like ah, i don't have time that i don't know when it happened but that structure of i need to go to the gym for 60 minutes and if i can't go for 60 minutes like i don't have time i think that actually is like a huge roadblock for a lot of people where i'm like not just i mean i'm not i'm not a health professional by any means but I'm like just go for 20 minutes something's better go than go for nothing. five minutes yeah like right? you know like just yeah. you can carve out you might not be able to carve out an hour um, it might delay your what you think of your goals are, but you're just gonna set yourself back by not going. There is time. you just gotta maneuver it in. Well,
0: and there is is research that's saying that you're getting as much benefit if you go for fifteen to twenty minutes um, and push yourself, not a lot harder, just a tiny bit mm-hmm. harder than going and just slugging it out for an hour like you're putting in the time. Yeah. That- um, and, and I mean, you can add little snacks of movement. You don't have to make it. So there's so many bodyweight exercises you can do if you want to exercise that don't require an actual gym. I personally, my favorite place to work out is in my living room in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't think I can wear my jammies to the gym. So, I keep doing push ups and squats and
1: Uh, planks are killer.
0: Planks, yeah, and single leg deadlifts, but with, you know, with no weight Mm. or just movement, like slowing it down, controlling it, feeling the muscles working without like, I have to lift this or I have to kill it and do it in 60 seconds.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's another thing too that when you look at people um, in this, kind of that more intense side so i'm not talking about high performance athletes necessarily but like when you look at crossfit um i love listening to people who are like powerlifters or strong men um and i just say strong i'm strong women too um talk about how much of a toll that actually like it destroys their body They're like your knees are shot your your back is shot like they're just talking about the injuries i'm listening to a, a joe rogan podcast right now and he has a strong man on just talking about what some of the guys are going through. So there seems to be also not much of a benefit to killing yourself in the gym as well. Yeah. Even though there seems to be some people that it works for and good for them, but for I think everyday Joe's like, me and I, I assume you that like that stuff isn't practical either
0: well and it's it goes back to what i was saying before about your why like why do you exercise i did a i wrote a blog post a couple months ago about the 5 w's of fitness because not every workout appeals to everyone if people want to go do crossfit and they love it and they're okay with you know, how much it affects their body, then go for mm-hmm. it. But if they're miserable, don't do it. There's other things. There's lots of things you can do. And and like I said, the first thing is why are you doing it? Why do you want to work out? Why do you want to exercise? And often when I will um, go do, you know, I do mobile personal training with a lot of our older adults, and I will hear things like, I want to be able to pick up my grandkids when they come to see me. I want to be able to go for a walk with my husband. I want to strengthen myself before I have my hip replacement surgery. So, you know, depending on what decade you're in, your why for exercise and fitness are going to change. Mm -hmm. And I actually just, I want to go back to your comment about Mm -hmm. the people killing it at the gym. There's a term in research for, for, these people that go kill it at the gym and then sit have an office job or professional sitters for 8 to 10 hours a day. It's called active couch potato. So they may be doing their one-hour workout three times a week or their weekend warriors, but then the rest of their time is sitting and they're actually um, worse off than someone who doesn't go to the gym but just gets up and moves around more and just has a more physically active life across every single day
1: why why do you think that is because you would think you know if you're strengthening and everything is it more of like
0: the repercussions after no it's the physical inactivity Mm, so they're so they're killing it for an hour and then they're a professional sitter for eight to ten hours and it's the sitting it's the physical inactivity it's the sedentary behavior That is the cause of premature death. Mm -hmm. So even if you are physically active once a a day for that one hour, but then you sit in your office, you only get up to go to the washroom maybe once an hour, you take your lunch at your desk, you sit and you watch videos, then you're sitting in the bus or car for an hour, getting home after that, you plunk on the couch, you figure, I worked out this morning, Mm -hmm. I don't need to do anything else. And um, there's some terms um, that describe this. The idea is um, if you are have a lot of physical inactivity or sedentary behavior for a long period of time, you're considered a prolonger. And we need to sit, right? There's mm-hmm. certain things. We're sitting right now. We're not going to get up and stand and walk around we'll hold, trying to hold the mics and all the equipment <laughs> to do the interview. Um, so there are times you need to sit. But then you can be a breaker where you have you break up your periods of, of sedentary activity because we still need to have times when we're sitting. You don't want a surgeon moving around, trying to balance on one foot during surgery. They need to stay still and focused. You don't want a bus driver. Okay, stopping the bus. I got to go do my 10 laps around the bus. Mm -hmm. So there are periods when we need to sit. So it's just making sure that we, break up periods when we can and and so my book is my first book, Move More Your Life Depends on it, is just teaching people that it's, it's easy, right? It, it's not complicated mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be costly and it doesn't even have to be sweaty, right? You don't need to have the bag with your exercise clothes and plan to go to the gym at lunch and then worry about do I need to shower and blah, 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 blah. It's just about, you know, getting up and moving more throughout
1: mm-hmm. the day. It could be in your book um, so forgive me. Um, I didn't reach that part yet. Is there a sweet spot? Is there that sweet spot between, you know, s- how long that you should be sitting at, at your desk or, or at your cubicle, wherever, and how long you should move? So we'll just take that regular, like uh, like me, For I'll use myself as an example. So I work eight-hour days office job. Um, what's the, if it was a perfect world, How long would I sit at my desk? How long would I get up for? And so on and Mm -hmm. so forth.
0: That's a great question. It's not in my first book. It's in my third book, which Which will be coming out.
1: It's It's coming, everybody.
0: everybody. (laughs) So my third book is called Your Job is Killing You, A User's Guide to Sneaking Exercise into Your Workday. Um, And there are different, uh, and I actually refer to this in my book, there's different guidance and different recommendations for how much you should. At the very base Um, unless there's some reason you can't you should be getting up at least once an hour so um, I've seen and not stand we'll come back to standing desks in a sec if you don't mind Um, a lot of people will get standing desks or they'll make adjustments to their desks so that they can go from sit to stand so if you go to a half-hour period you should be standing for 20 minutes Sitting for eight minutes, moving for two minutes.
1: Mm.
0: So you can see it's not you're not doing only one thing. You're incorporating adding. Um, I've also in my third book I reference the Canadian Center for Occupational Health and Safety, and they recommend um, five minutes every hour, thirty seconds every ten at every ten minutes. Yeah. Mm. So a thirty-second like micro movement break. Gotcha. And it's really interesting for me because when I first pulled some references on um, ergonomics and for my book, you know, everybody talks about is my chair ergonomically correct? And oh, I've got an ergonomic chair, but I still get back pain and cramps in my foot or my foot falls asleep. So I thought, you know, like everybody else did, that ergonomics was all about getting you in the right position mm. to stay working. So it was interesting for me to read all of this information on, they talk about job design and how you need to split it up and you need to, you need ergonomic setup for when you have to sit, but you also should limit how much you're sitting and make sure you're adding in breaks and movement and changing your tasks so that you can get up and move around more.
1: Right. Okay. So if you're sitting there and you're listening to this at your desk right now, just track an hour. Move for 10 minutes at the very least, but if you can, break it down into a little bit smaller chunks if you can every 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to yeah. remember that for tomorrow, and we're yeah. going to give it a shot.
0: And it's as simple as standing up, sitting down. Oh. Stand up, sit down. Stand up, sit down. Yeah, you just did a set of three squats. Mm. So this is where I'll, we were talking before we, about me working with people and doing a lot of body weight exercises. So I also like to work with people on functional fitness. And func- and a squat is a form of functional fitness because it's helping with the sit-to-stand. So you don't have to be 80 and have difficulty getting out of your lazy boy for a sit-to-stand to be an issue for you. And it's really easy to do a few squats. Get the muscles stre- strengthening, work on your balance, um, but also get fluids moving in your body and load your bones. Because what often happens when we sit too long is we end up having poor posture.
1: Mm, that's me right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and you forget to stand up straight. So our our skeleton, our bones are meant to load our body weight. But what happens when we've got poor posture, poor alignment, we start to have... Connective tissue around joints loading our body weight because we're not, our bones are not strong enough. Our muscles are not helping our bones hold us in good positions. And that's where all these joint injuries start to come in. Mm. So, you know, you can start working on doing some squats, getting the muscles and bones loading your body weight, strengthening them. And then, like I said, the circulation, because what happens when we do sit too long is. Uh, gravity works and everything's pooling in our ankles (laughs) Mm. and it's a lot of work for our heart and our cardiovascular system to pump blood from our feet all the way up so if and if we've been sitting for a while you know if you get kind of tingling in your feet or varicose veins or swollen ankles or feet or foggy head because foggy head is be, is a result of the blood not circulating, the fluid not circulating in your body, and it's not enough, is getting up to your it's brain. Like it's
1: being turned. up. Oh no, that's the blood rush in your head. I got it opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, because that was going to be my next question. Like, I think the majority of people know sitting is bad. But they still do it. Yeah. Um, like, what's so you kind of explained it there, so I don't know if there's even anything more to add, but the, the science, like, why is sitting so detrimental to? our health. Um, Like I said, I don't know if there's more to add to that, but I hate that it is forced upon a lot of people. Like, you know, people work at call centers and stuff. It's like, no, you have to sit and you can only leave on your break. Mm -hmm. And that society as a whole and and the institutions that would, we're mostly all employed. Like, don't, I don't, I don't think they take any of this stuff seriously or, or at least don't care because that also kind of loses productivity.
0: Well, yeah, the productivity versus health is, it. It's, it's actually, you'd be surprised. I mean, there's more and more wellness programs coming out because employers are concerned about their employees because of something called um, presenteeism where they're at work, but they're not really yeah. working for whatever reason or absenteeism because of injuries and illness and medical appointments. Um, as a result of too much sedentary behavior. So employers see lost productivity from that side, but they also see their healthcare costs increasing. Right. And the fact that it's causing so many chronic illnesses um, shows that people are starting to realize that they need to add a little bit more activity and and nudge themselves to just move a little more. So, you know someone who's say in a call center and they have to be sitting at their desk well they can just start doing their hands are typing on the computer but you can just do little like heel lifts with your feet or circles you know just to get the blood circulating mm-hmm. so something's moving in your body and then when they take their break making sure that you do get up and go for a walk and don't just sit down on your phone in the break
1: room yeah i always like, to, like if i have to send an email or i can make a call sometimes i'm like I'll just get up and go ask. And I usually say that I'm like, I just wanted to go for a walk. So I figured I'd ask you while I'm here. Yeah. Um, That's one of my big things that I I try to do. Or I I go get water. I walk up the stairs and do a lap or something.
0: Or walk to your colleague's desk instead of texting them. You know, or same time, or message, or let's do a you know notification to set up a meeting. It's a real 1980s yeah, <laughs> solution. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Like, what do you? <laughs> so it's a 21st 20th century solution. Oh geez. 20th century solution. Sorry for a 21st century problem. It's like be old school, right? Get up and walk down the hall to talk to them instead of you know picking up the phone or texting them to work something mm-hmm. out that involves.
1: Is this more of a recent phenomenon, um, this, I guess what you do, is, and, and um, we'll get into why you wanted to write this, this the book and this first book, especially Move More. Is this more of a, a now today problem than it was before, say in the the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, this people, premature aging, being unhealthy, that worker lifestyle?
0: Well participation do you know yeah, you, you yeah so participation has been around since I was a kid <laughs> in the 70s um, and so and their whole philosophy is to get people to sit less move more
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's it's been around but I think it's kind of making a resurgence because um, people are seeing they're living longer but they're not living well so mm-hmm. the the uh, life expectancy has gone up, but the quality of life, you know, the the life in your years is diminishing.
1: And we have an aging population right now that mm-hmm. is reaching that point, too. So, yeah, interesting. Um, you were mentioning the whys of fitness. Um, so I, w- I want to ask you, like, why did you feel the need to take it upon yourself to to write this book, to get involved with fitness and and i i mean a lot of people um one of my favorite things is like a lot of people talk mm-hmm. not a lot of people do mm-hmm. so why did you decide to do
0: um i i guess i just i thought there's so much complication in the fitness industry and there's so much you know, new equipment, new workout, new this, new that, buy, 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 spend your money. And and even for fitness instructors, right? Like train in this new method for your clients need this. And it's like, do they really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, when I, um, so I'll tell you about two sort of times in my life that struck me when I was thinking about writing a book. When I was a kid, I saw my grandmother who, you know, lived pretty much independently in her home until about a month before she passed away. And, you know, that's the whole point, right? Our body's designed to last a lifetime. So, you know, the idea is you have a body, you move, you use it, it works for you. And then maybe six months towards the end of your life cycle, cause we all have a best before date, things start to slow down and, and fall apart. But that's the end of your life cycle. These things shouldn't be happening throughout your life. So I saw with my grandmother, who, you know, was primary caregiver for my grandfather, didn't have a dishwasher. Um, didn't have a garage door opener, and that garage door was a beast. (laughs) You know, so I'd see her, right? She goes out to the garage, she lifts it up, she goes into the car, pulls it out, gets out of the car, goes over, pulls it down, gets back into the car. So she's using her body and not, you know, I don't think I ever saw her in a pair of pants my whole life. She was always in dresses and had a beast of a vacuum cleaner that was used every single day. I'm not saying we need to go back to 1950s mm-hmm. housewives, late, you know, lifestyle, but just the fact that we can have a physically active life without needing to spend a ton of money. And when my kids were little, when I was home, I stayed home and took care of them, and toddlers don't stop. <laughs> From the minute their eyes open till the minute their eyes shut, you're going and you're moving. And when I was, my kids were young, I was the fittest I've ever been in my life. And I've trained and run, trained for and run marathons. And I was more fit when I was with my kids because it was just go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're building a fort. Now we're taking the fort down and then we're going to the playground and then I'm chasing them. And then we're going swimming and then we're doing this and then I got to make dinner and... So it's just, you know, for me it was, there's just so many ways you can keep your body healthy and be happy that don't have to be, like I said, costly or complicated or sweaty. It's Mm -hmm. just, you have to move your body. And I, and I think using my background in social psychology, looking at a lot of behavior change models and, um, and an actual, and a behavioral economics model that came out of psychology. <laughs> um, nudge theory is, it's just, you have to just nudge people, right? Mm-hmm. So the so you think about, you want to eat healthier. Well, you put the fruit on the counter and the chips in the cupboard. So you see the fruit. So nudges are meant, are designed as behavior change. Um, and it's supposed to be... F- uh, low cost or free and easy to implement. So if you're going into the kitchen and you're like, oh, I want a snack. I'm hungry, and you see the bowl of fruit. Well, you you're sort of nudging yourself to eat healthy because it's easier to eat healthy than go get the chips, open the bag, get a bowl, or eat mm-hmm. right out of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's these nudges, and you know, for people who want to start exercising and 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 um get more physically active and work out it's put your workout clothes at the end of your bed put your shoes at the running shoes at the front door so it's nudging you that yeah 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 i need to Mm -hmm. do this i want to do this so for nudging people to move them more all you need is a post-it note right i it's like low tech Low tech, very, I mean, you can do reminders on your phone mm-hmm. or I've had people do screen locks where it's, you know, like a quote or footprints or get up and go or a picture or something that inspires them to want them to move. But a post-it note really is all you need. Just stick it on the side of your um, computer to go for a walk, take a break, stand up, you know, mm-hmm. something really simple that's going to make you feel better and improve your well-being.
1: Yeah, um, I had this great question, and then I started about Oh, no. post- <laughs> sorry. About it. That's okay. okay. <laughs> um, I guess, what makes it so difficult? I love the nudge theory. That's great. Um, and I think that that's something that could apply to a lot of people. I think the majority of us, we want to be healthy. <laughs> we want to be fit. We want to be the person who wants to go to the gym. What makes it so damn hard to, uh, so you have a fitness background, you have a psychology background. So I think maybe you're one of the more qualified people to answer this question. (laughs) Why is it so hard that even though we know this is really good for us, that so many people have that challenge of just doing it?
0: Well, so so part of it is just our, you know, the way our culture has evolved with labor-saving devices and apps and social media. (laughs) Society
1: is basically working against exactly what you're trying to do here, right? Yeah. Sorry for interrupting.
0: (laughs) No, no, that's okay. Just a spark. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, you know, there's a lot, and I can't. I'm not an expert on this, but I've seen experts talk about um, the our our notifications our alerts in social media are like crack cocaine right we want to have another right. like have another comp yeah so that's hard yeah <laughs> it's this fomo the fear of missing out you know people want oh my god look what they're doing i got to follow you know and um and just labor saving devices the fact that you have to you don't have to stand up and turn on a television or suffer through ads and well ads are coming back a little bit
1: it's <laughs> how i get paid so <laughs> <laughs> yeah no fair enough
0: um but you know people binge watch shows right yeah. it used to be you watched a show and then you saw the next episode the week later <laughs>
1: horrors yeah. right
0: every all of a sudden everything's like boom. don't wait for a week here's the whole season yeah. <laughs> see you in two days
1: <laughs> yeah
0: Um, But it's also other labor-saving devices. And it's, you know, back to last century, things like washing machines and dishwashers and garage door openers, escalators, (laughs) walking sidewalks, Mm. uh, you know, at the airport. So it's just, as we evolve and, you know, make all these great gains in technology, we get a little bit lazy and it's easy to be lazy. It's Mm -hmm. hard to, to... Behavior change is tough and, and, and that's where the whole nudge idea I really like because you start nudging yourself and you're not even realizing that you're changing your behavior. You know, it's hard to resist those chips. It's hard to resist flopping on the couch every night, but if you have your, you know, your world set up, so you have all these little nudges all over the place, um, it just makes it easier to add it. And then all of a sudden this switch happens and you're like, Oh, I actually feel better. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm going to keep doing it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing for me is not necessarily like feeling better physically, actually, arguably sometimes I feel worse because my body's tired and broken down, but it's, it's that mental. And I said this on a ton of episodes of this podcast, when I'm talking with people, it's the mental aspect of exercise where I can get in the gym and I know this is more talking like a hard workout, but I can work my shit out. Like I, have, I have things coming through my head. I'm like, it just I, it's more clear. Like it's just me on a run or something, or lifting, and I'm just like, I can focus on that problem. There's all yeah, that outside exactly. noise is gone. Exactly. And when you come out of it, you're just kind of like, you get that that release, that endorphin release from from working out, and right. then you've also kind of sat there in an hour. It's like a form of meditation. I like to think right. that it's just you. You're in there. You're 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 pushing through hard things, and then like you come out, and it's just like kind of like a clear brain. Right. Um, and I, that's, I was laughing when you started saying that because I was thinking, like, that was my question. Technology and and society seems to be moving away from everything that you're trying to put forth in this book, which is super unfortunate. Like, as you were talking, like, yeah, like now you don't even have to walk through a grocery store, you can just, yep. and they'll deliver it yep. to you. Exactly. Um, I can kind of have delivered, yeah. yeah, you know, I don't even have to take a walk to the the corner store anymore or anything like it's 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 scary it is it Um, is really
0: scary and it's I don't know And, and like when people start when I when I talk to people and they're complaining about I have this ache or that ache or this pain and and if you talk to you know I interviewed a physiotherapist um for this book and He's, he told me a great story. Well, I didn't interview him. He told me a great story, and then he, I asked him permission to use it, where he had someone, and he says he hears this a lot, right? I go on vacation. Someone goes on vacation, and they're like, oh, I don't need to come see you anymore because all my problems corrected themselves. And they're like, oh, that's great. What would you do? I walked around.
1: Mm. You know, we,
0: were, oh, we went to Italy. We were walking for eight hours every single day. It was great. I came home. I wasn't in pain anymore. And he's like, great. So keep that in mind and keep doing that on your daily in your daily life, because what's happening is people are having these problems where they have to go for physiotherapy or go for a hip replacement or whatever Mm -hmm. from physical inactivity, from sitting too much and not moving and not, you, you know, it's not the crushing at the gym. Right. If you're sightseeing. It is not power walking. You're standing, you're walking around, you're waiting in line, you're listening to the tour guide, you walk a little bit more, then you stop. But it's just the fact that you're moving and not just sitting.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. So, again, first book, Move More, Your Life Depends on It, like that title. Um, You had a funny story you wanted to share from the book. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, So I'll I'll let you go through that um, because... What you told me sounded pretty
0: funny. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I'll preface it by saying uh, I find since I've written this book and started talking about um, the topic of sitting less and moving more, a lot of people think I'm anti-chairs and think I never sit down. (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to read a little section called What About When You Need to Sit? By now, I hope you understand my stance on chairs and sitting. Sometimes we need to sit. Too much standing can also be problematic. Let me tell you a story to illustrate my point. Many, many years ago, (laughs) my then-boyfriend was invited to a wedding. Even though I had never met the bride, it was his friend, or anyone else involved in the nuptials, I was his plus one. It was late August, and the heat was sweltering. We entered the church and gasped at the temperature inside, with no air conditioning and no windows to enjoy a breeze it actually felt hotter in the church than outside. The ceremony began, and the officiant asked us to rise. What he forgot to do was indicate when we could sit down again. Being polite and attentive sheep, the entire congregation remained on its feet. I briefly noticed how dizzy I was becoming, and then I just drifted toward the floor. Apparently, my one and only fainting episode was very graceful. Bystanders remarked that I just floated downwards. (laughs) I regained consciousness while four very large soldiers, it was a military wedding, were carrying me out of the church. Later at the reception, I met the bride and groom for the first time. The bride said to me, oh, you're the one who took everyone's attention away from me on my big day. I think she was only half joking. Nevertheless, this wedding was clearly a time when sitting would have been preferable to standing. The officiant even apologized for not instructing us to sit down. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> You think you would have noticed. So, why is everyone still standing? Oh, no, no. I guess it's a cute wedding and, and everything. So that was your first book. Yes. Um, the second one you just came out is Balance Your Body, yeah. How yeah. Exercise Can Help You Avoid a Fall.
0: Right. So this is specifically for seniors.
1: So grandma and grandpa, because I know you like to listen. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what you're getting for Christmas?
0: <laughs> you know, or mom and dad who go over and help grandma and grandpa with their exercises I don't know if they talk so much. <laughs>
1: um, what cuz I like we said earlier, you know, we have an aging population and, and we're starting to see it manifest a little bit like kind of the the 80s, 90s where people were still in the workforce and now they're they're retired and and getting into their their older age. What made you want to draw, like, go for a book like this? So, you wrote something for everybody um, easy, practical tips. What made you want to kind of niche a, a little bit?
0: So, what happened was um, I, I work with a lot of seniors. I teach seniors mm. exercise classes. I do mobile personal training where I go into their homes and work with them. And I had been asked to run a workshop on uh, exercises for fall prevention. And so as I was pulling together my slides and the exercises we would do, you know, I knew what I did with my clients and I knew what worked with them. But I thought, I'm just going to see what else is out there. Because there's all of a sudden with our aging population, there's a lot more seniors, fitness experts. So I started going to the library and pulling, uh, exercise manuals and dvds that were specifically focused on seniors and I went to chapters and read books on the shelf and whatnot and what struck me was every single one I went through I could think of two or three or four or five people who couldn't do the exercises the way they were described they you know didn't have the means to get the exercise equipment you know like think about 92 year old Aunt Irma trying to maneuver a giant Swiss ball (laughs) into her house and then maybe falling and breaking a hip when she tries to sit on it. You know, or someone who can't or won't get on the floor to exercise. Or there would just, there weren't enough modifications to allow people to make it easier if they needed to. It was just like, "Here's here's the exercise, here's how you do it. And I just every single one I looked at, I could think of people who couldn't do it the way it was being described. And I just thought, and I've had people contact me who say, yeah, I found this workout on YouTube and I did the exercises and I hurt myself. Hmm. So I started, you know, pulling together for this workshop and I went, I should just make it a book also. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I already wrote one book. Um, And the whole point is that, you know, again, the most complicated thing you're going to use on the exercises I have are empty paper towel tubes (laughs) and every single exercise is so it's spread out on two pages it's open there's two images it gives you the step-by-step instructions and then right at the very end it is if you need to make it easier here's how you make it easier if you want to make it harder here's how you can make it harder And it's not a, you have to go do this and it's going to take you 20 minutes or an hour. It's open it up, try this one exercise, give it a go. And the other thing too is there's balance is a really important, crucial um, factor that it needs to be addressed properly with older adults. And there's not enough um, work with fitness professionals to work on the entire balance system. So it's not as simple as telling someone to go stand on one leg for 20 seconds. We have um, balance as a sense, and we have different systems in our body that help us figure out where our body is in 3D space. So the three are visual, and when you're getting older, your eyes mm-hmm. are going. It doesn't matter you know, what you have going on, your eyes are failing. So your vision is reduced. Vestibular, which is it helps with um, equilibrium and it's just a fancy term, which means kind of your inner ear. Mm-hmm. So often what happens too when people are stiff is they stop doing these side to side motions with their head. Think about people, you know, in their eighties, they don't want to shoulder check in the car because it hurts too much to turn their head. So vestibular is all about making sure that we're keeping up with the equilibrium and spatial orientation by keeping that kind of movement happening and then the third is uh, proprioception or somatosensory and that's basically your skin your nerves all over your body that also send messages to the brain so it's help making sure that these three systems are also being exercised to work on our balance so the Mm -hmm. very first exercise i have in the book is called a finger follow where you're holding your thumb about six inches away from your... we going to try it right now. Yeah, so you're holding it about six inches away from your nose. So the first part of it is visual only. So as you're slowly moving your thumb side to side, you're only following with your eyes. Now, I'm looking at you right yeah. now. So, <laughs> so you only okay. follow with your eyes, and then you go the other way. So the idea is you go side to side, right. and then up and down. Okay. So then when you go on to the next step, it's visual and vestibular. So you're holding your arm further away... And you're following with your eyes, but you're also turning your head with it as well, going side to side and up and down. And then for those people, so you can do those two sitting down. That's how you make it easier. Mm -hmm. And you're still working visual and vestibular. And then if they can also stand up, hang on to a desk or a chair or the kitchen counter and then, if they want to make it more difficult, they can also include the somatosensory by standing on one foot and repeating the exercises.
1: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um. What typically goes first? I guess it's your eyesight, right? So, is there like a, a hierarchy of performance? Is that why you did the eyes first? Is it's, it just?
0: Well, it's it's um. The science, like Oops. doctors and researchers in right. kinesiology and what, this is the recommended um, process that you go through. Okay. Part of the issue is um, it's one dizziness, vertigo, nausea can come up with older adults. And it can also be a factor from medication, right? They can have dizziness from medication, uh, which is a problem that needs to be addressed by a doctor, but when you begin, you want to start with the most basic. So just moving the eyes. And then, and that's what I tell people in the book, right? At if any point you're feeling dizzy, you stop and you sit down and you take a rest. You don't, okay, let's plow through it and get to the next part. Right. Um. So you start with the most basic where it's just one part moving and then you build on from there.
1: I know this is outside the two books, but it's just a question I have because it's kind of one of those things that... I myself have been grappling with. So on one side you of the aisle, you have people who are like, you know, rest as a weapon. You need to let your body recover. Um, it's important. It'll help you all that, you know, the gains, da, 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 da. Then you have people on the other aisle that seem to say and believe that, no, pain is just something in your head and you can push through it boom Um, so you know there's people that I was gonna add on to that but I wasn't sure it was a family (laughs) show yeah we can see bullshit it's bullshit Um, but you know there are people who see like they can run a marathon a day and and lift weights they can do all these certain things now is that more is that a belief power is that more their their own personal physiology and and you know body composition how does that work? Because like it's, part of me, I'm like I'm struggling in the gym. I'm like no, I can go run more. But then like I'm like
0: oh, I wish I didn't do that. Uh. <laughs> so like so 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 anyone who says you have to push through the pain, I mean, elite athletes are a whole different ball game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's where they're a small fraction, like one percent of the population. So what they're doing. It shouldn't be what we're all doing, right? Right. They're doing it for crazy, you know, and even professional athletes, if you look at them, that's why they have such a short career in their sport of choice. And they're retiring and they're going and becoming a real estate agent or a color commentator or whatever, because their body cannot sustain that for long periods of time. Mm. And pain is a message. Your body is sending you a message that there's a problem and you need to stop, so yeah, go do a hard workout at the gym, but then give your body time to rest and recover. And and don't, you know, yeah, pain is is there to tell you, like, whoa, let's, mm-hmm. you know, tap the brakes and let's reassess what's going on here.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, we've established, you know, moving's good. Um, you know, we have the, the 150 minutes of moderate uh, or vigorous activity um, a week. What do you like to do to be healthy? What are some things that maybe, um, you know, you seem to be like to promote the, the, e- the easiness, the pract- practicalness of it. Um, like what are some, some easy things that you like to do that you think, you know, pretty much everyone could accomplish when it comes to exercise, moving, uh, and all that type of stuff.
0: Go for a walk. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: There's so much benefit in going for a walk. And, you know, I, Winters in Ottawa suck.
1: Right? Yes, they do.
0: So I didn't go for as, And the sidewalks are getting worse. And, you, you know, falling is not age specific when it's icy and terrible conditions. Mm-hmm. So I don't go out as much in the winter. But, you know, when my kids were little, we'd go to the museums and we'd walk around or just pace around your dining room table. Or, you know, if you're at your desk and you need a break and you're foggy or something's not comfortable, just get up and walk to the water cooler, walk back, go again, go talk to someone, Mm -hmm. go up the stairs, you know, just like, I think walking is really underrated as a form of light physical activity. And it's got so many health benefits that you just feel better after it. And like you were saying about, you know, you do your one hour workout and you kind of work through problems Mm -hmm. in your head and clear your brain. I, I've tried listening to podcasts when I go for a walk and I can't, I've tripped mm. over my feet oh, <laughs> or I'm like so focused on walking that I'm not, I'm, I'm like, wow, I got to rewind. I didn't hear that. But I, I find that at the end of the day, I just want to go for a walk and daydream and think about mm-hmm. things and just like be <laughs> and just enjoy the actual, you know, it. it's like a, an end in itself instead of a means to an end.
1: Right. Um, that's funny you say that because I've heard, some people say that like you know exercising and working out that like they can't some a lot of them can't say they can't listen to podcasts i i can listen to a podcast mostly when i'm doing more extended like a, a run or, mm-hmm. or a bike or something like that not necessarily weights um just it, it's like watching tv or something right yeah. like you're you're it stimulates it um but i've heard people like you know like i can't even listen to music like i have to like be present and anything else is cheating and i just find that really interesting well for them it is yeah 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 yeah. 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 it's it's so interesting how everybody responds differently to different things especially when it comes to exercise Oh, sure yeah if
0: i'm doing deadlifts uh crazy train
1: oh yeah (laughs) a good pump up jam
0: uh if i'm going for a run free bird
1: <laughs> so you cannot okay. slow
0: down when that guitar solo That's true. starts <laughs> so
1: when i like when i really don't want to work out i'm just sitting there i'm like oh i really don't feel like it i'll put on uh, kickstart my heart by motley Crue, yeah and i'll just be like, then yeah i'm ready oh, yeah, to go pretty yeah. much after that so. but
0: when i go to the gym and lift weights i'm in and out in 20 minutes
1: so you only do 20 minutes of weights mm-hmm. interesting yep um twice
0: a week because you know it's my time for me so when I'm doing, when I'm teaching classes, right. I'm doing the workout with everybody. And then often when I'm training people, I'm showing them how to do the exercises. But if I'm doing a workout for me, 20 minutes is interesting. Good. Yeah.
1: That's an, that's an, um, another thing that just gets so confusing about working out. And this is like, I, I guess something that you said that I think exercise and, and fitness has become, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's an industry. It's, like capitalism 101 that you have all these different things and so you get some people like no cardio only weights that's how you're gonna get strong and and healthy and then other people are like no like do a nice mix and then some people are like no i just go for runs and it's great and it's like i guess everyone kind of has their own opinion on it yeah um
0: fitness is like hats and socks yeah. there is no one size fits all and You know, I often will have people go, what's the best exercise for uh, fill in the blank? Yeah. And and I say to them, the best exercise is the one you're going to do. It doesn't matter if you read an article on top five exercises for your booty, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want, you know, exercise for your booty, great. But if you just want like, I want to feel stronger. I want my hip to stop hurting. I want this. You know, it's like do something that you're going to enjoy because then you're going to wash, rinse, repeat.
1: Right. That's a big thing that if you go in there and you have a list of 10 things like that are going to make your booty big, because I don't know if you know this, but it's huck. Hot girl summer? Hot bitch summer? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what the internet has classified it as yet. But so, yeah, you go in there and it's like a set of 10 workouts and you're like, you do it. You're like, this sucks. You're probably not going to do it again. And yeah. I think that's what happens with people. Like when you start that gym at, in January that you go like, you're like, I'm going to go for hour runs. And then, and then you just you give up because mm-hmm. you're like, I don't feel like it. You know, it's yeah. unsustainable. So it's a, it's I hear it all the time. I'm sure other people do, but so many people don't follow it, that it's just like, do something. Mm -hmm. Just get in there. If it's a couple exercises that you like a couple times a week, it's still better than not going, even though...
0: Yeah, and our 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity is 21 minutes, 21 and a half minutes a day, right? So if you want to do a one-hour workout and you love it, go for it. But if you don't want to go into the gym for that long do 20 minutes, do 10 minutes, do yeah. five minutes.
1: I feel 45 minutes is kind of like my sweet spot Yeah. where like I can get a good sweat in, but then I'm like also not extending myself too much. Right, sure. Yeah. That, that seems to be like the good spot for me. Um, And, so, and with timing too, right? It, like it is, you can make time, but it is hard to find the time. You know, I'm a single male. Like I have a girlfriend, but like having kids, like I'm always trying to push my parents cause they don't go. I'm like, you can find time. They're like, when like wake up the kids at five thirty make them right. and like they just talk about their whole day I'm like hmm well like you could fit ten minutes there so this move more is a is a better way than me telling them and I'm not just trying to pump the tires here than me telling them <laughs> find sixty minutes or forty right. minutes to go to the gym yeah this is gonna be something you can incorporate into your daily life where people are gonna be like oh no. I can go for a walk at lunch exactly. or we, we can take the kids to the park and, and whatever. Yeah. Rather than me being like, no, go get a gym membership and go for sick, right. like, go for a run.
0: So one, uh, one woman I worked with, uh, was she was struggling to find time in the day. So I worked with her more on coaching, like to figure out, I, we did a, um, a movement audit of her time mm. in her day. And she had kids in competitive sports And it was, you know, the rush in the morning work, the rush after school to get them to activities. And when we looked at it, it, she was spending 45 minutes to an hour sitting in the hockey rink while her kids were doing their activity. Right. Because it's not enough time to leave and go do something. Mm -hmm. So we talked about, well, why don't you just instead of sitting in the rink, just get up and walk? Around, like you're still watching them, right? Because the kids are like, "Mom, look!" I, mm-hmm. you know, you still want to be there. So it's walk around the rink, walk up and down the stairs in the stands where all the parents are, and and she started doing it, and she felt awesome. You know, she said like her stress level with driving because she's always in the car, going to taking the kids to school, going to work, taking the kids to activities, mm-hmm. and she said her stress level dropped, and she just felt so much better, and it wasn't adding. A dedicated workout, it was just like nudging her like, oh yeah, I'm just sitting here and I don't need to be just sitting here. I can get up and move.
1: Mm-hmm. I used to walk uh, walk the stairs for a warm up because I, I was trying to warm up my legs so I'd do big long like right. kind of lunge steps up the stairs to uh, of the rink because we had like a a steep little bench seat style nice, rink yeah. and that's what I used to do before. Awesome. Workout. And it was Everyone laughed at me but I was
0: <laughs> It's cheaper so, than a stair climber.
1: That's it, right? <laughs> it's there's all these sort of or there's um I'd give myself like a push-up challenge and I'm I'm back on it. And I did one a couple months ago where I like I start one week and I do twenty and I build my way up to fifty and then I start doing fifty and then twenty and then so adding two every week. Mm-hmm. Um I just do that every day yeah, until I can awesome. do a hundred. That's awesome. Um and that's the key, right? Yeah. Is to
0: add. So there's actually speaking of sit-up challenge or push-up challenges, there's a Stanford researcher, BJ Fogg, and he did a, a TED Talk, right? Everybody does TED Talks about um, tiny habits, small little habits to help you change your behavior, and and also um, giving yourself the internal um, motivation to do it. So he basically started with, uh, every time I go to the washroom, I'm going to do one push-up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm awesome, right? Throw his hands up in the air and congratulate himself. And he started doing that, and in no time at all, he was doing 20 push-ups. And then it just became a habit. Because mm-hmm. And you start with, you know, you do one push-up. And if you find that you need to work on your upper body strength and you're not ready to do a push-up on the ground, you do a wall push-up or you do a desk push-up so you're changing you know so you work your way down to being doing a full push-up on the ground
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think if you can get get your mind committed to it um i find the hardest part is kind of tuning out the people who might see you laughing at you and it's I, I mean it's like whatever I'm doing something good for myself you're like what are you doing but like my girlfriend will laugh when I'm like doing push-ups in the morning I'm just like I'm just it's just let me be me I'm just yeah. I'm just trying to do <laughs> my thing. Your thing exactly um, I'm I'm just funny that way but I, I, I don't know. it worked the last yeah. time so I'm just it's like it's something and it's like something on top of my gym and like I take walks at lunch and mm-hmm. like I said I'll, I'll go walk I'm always so mindful of these things because there's there's so much to think about and I, I, I don't want to, like, I, I read a, it scared the hell out of me. I read a study or it was a an article that there's a researcher there that was noticing, like, young people. And they're getting kind of like a bone spur in their, in their neck.
0: Yeah, back. it was kind of debunked a little oh, bit. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Because that scared <laughs> me how everyone's sitting there on their phone. But then I yeah. noticed myself. And when I'm sitting at the computer, I'm kind of like, I get hunched over you when get, I'm thinking. Yeah, and I yeah. don't think, and I'm like, oh, no. Okay. Yeah. But then I notice my, my shoulders are starting to rotate in a little bit right. and got to try to push yourself back and, and neck pain. Yeah, and so you can and... even
0: just sit there and start rolling your shoulders yeah. back. So speaking of, you remember we are talking about CrossFit and yeah. people doing their heavy workouts and then going sitting for so long. You actually, you're going and doing your heavy, hard lifting workout and then sitting for eight hours is more likely to cause injuries. Because what happens is you hunched forward, your shoulder blade, your shoulder is rotated forward. So all of a sudden, the muscles are not properly aligned, the joints aren't aligned. So some muscles are getting overstretched Mm. and weak, and some muscles are getting shortened, tightened and weak. So you're in this position for eight hours. After you've come from the gym, you know, and your body needs time when you lift weights, right? You're, you're basically... Uh, reforming, you're creating new muscle fiber. So that's where the whole idea of rest comes in. You need to give yourself time to rest, to let the muscle fiber fuse and, and, you know, have the delayed onset muscle soreness kind of work its way out of your body. So if you're going to your office after you've been lifting heavy and you're rotating forward, you're not healing in the right position.
1: Right. So it'll heal.
0: Yeah. So then when you go back mm. and lift heavy again, your form is great for lifting heavy, but those muscles are not strong in that correct form. So you're more likely to get an injury.
1: Uh, fitness. <laughs> uh. um, I do want to talk because I'm just generally curious, like being an author, like what was that process like? How did you go about it? Um I I find that so, like, how does one go about, like, I'm going to write a book and this is what I'm going to do? Like, like, how does that happen? What has that been like for you?
0: Uh, So it, um, I I was just having a really depressive moment in my life. Like, I was so blue and I was lying on the couch in the middle of winter and just having a miserable day. And I don't know, just this thought just flashed through my head, like, you should write a book. (laughs) And I went, I can't write a book. And then I went, about an hour later, I went, hmm, maybe I can write a book. So I just started researching it, and I decided to self-publish on Amazon um, for a lot of reasons. And I know a lot of people are anti-Amazon because they think they're destroying a lot of businesses. Yeah. The fact is small so publishers are not interested in books like mine because they know they're not going to make them money right and i was realistic as a canadian author that i'm no margaret atwood right (laughs) i wasn't doing this to make money i was doing this because i wanted to to get this message out to people Mm -hmm. so um so that's where self-publishing is fantastic I have a book that I created and brought in my whole edit you know, and I researched you know who do you need what do you you need a substantive editor and then you need a copy editor and a proofreading editor and a layout guy. You could do the layout yourself, but I'm not technical yeah I would probably pull out all my hair trying to, <laughs> <laughs> trying to do paperback layout for ebook. and you need a cover designer unless you're an artist, and you know they have to know the the um dimensions of your book so the spine is the right size for when the printing happens so there's all this great resources online nowadays and you know and they talk about how to go about it and there's support you know I joined writers groups on Facebook and I just decided that I wanted to do it with Amazon because I wanted control over the process mm-hmm. I wanted to get it out when I was ready I wanted to decide if I liked it, you know, whether or not I was going to accept the edits from my editor and ex- and decide on the cover as opposed to you hand it over to a publishing house. Mm-hmm. And they decide on the cover and and then they keep the rights to it. Mm-hmm. So they own it and you just get a portion of the money. So, you, you know, unless mm-hmm. you're Margaret Atwood, you're really not better off than an independently published author. And I love that people go on Amazon and my book is new to them when they discover it. It doesn't matter how many days ago it was published versus if it's in a bookstore unless you're a top seller you're getting pushed to the back shelves or being sent back for refund pretty quickly.
1: Okay. What how's the like how do you f- find is there a special place to find books on Amazon? I've just never bought a like I bought books off Amazon, but like, is it like a there's special a category section? Of books. Okay.
0: Yeah. So there's a category for books, and then there's a Kindle category for eBooks, and both my books are e- paperback and eBook. Okay. And and the nice thing about um, <clears throat> I've done a bunch of Amazon ads because the, when people go on Amazon to buy a book, they're gonna buy a book. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. So you have more. Um, more bang for your buck than, say, an ad on Facebook or Google yeah. or Instagram right. because P- someone's there to actually buy your book, buy a book. And then if they see yours, they're like, oh, this looks like something I might like to read.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, interesting. I've always just kind of wondered how it, the whole process. So that must have been a pretty significant investment on your part just to get this published in terms of not only your time but financially as well.
0: Well, yeah, but, you know, I sort of, I knew ahead of time, I did a lot of research and I had an idea of about how much it was going to cost. And, you know, when I was interviewing editors, I didn't go with the cheapest editor. Actually, the one I chose, her quote came in the middle of the one was really crazy high and one was really crazy low. That wasn't what made the deciding factor for me. It was... um, you know, the one who was crazy low really didn't know a lot about editing. The one who was crazy high was trying to tell me she knew about fitness. And I'm thinking, I don't need you to know about fitness. I need you to know (laughs) know about editing. (laughs) I'm the fitness person. And then Karina, who I chose, uh, who I hired is, you know, when we had a conversation, she said, you know, my job is to move other people's paragraphs around. It's not I'm writing it or I'm an expert right. or I'm giving you my opinions. It was making my writing better. And, you know, I and I like to write and I know I can write well, but when I read the stuff she's edited, I'm like, wow, this is really good. Like she really does make my words better. Right,
1: right. Um, finally, so you have your third book coming out. Um, don't have an exact release date yet, so you're going to have to follow her and, and find all that stuff out and we'll get to that but it's your job is killing you what do you foresee if if people aren't following your move more tips they're not following that they're not following these practical guidelines like we talked about it's the fourth leading cause um from the world health health organization excuse me what do you foresee the future being um in terms of humans and their health and where we might be in 10, 25, 50, 100 years?
0: This is like a job interview. Where Where do you see yourself mm. in five years?
1: <laughs> Not you, the human race.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I. It's tough, right, because so many jobs are being automated. I think a lot of um, those repetitive activities in roles are disappearing for people it's the knowledge workers that are um you know like engineers or i i can't think of anyone else <laughs> yeah. but it's it's jobs that where people you know need to be at a computer writing and interacting and meetings 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 right like we the need the pain of my existence yeah. <laughs> and we need to have leaders right who are willing to lead and you know and basically model behavior that you know I remember when I was talking to my brother about my next book and he was saying um you know we were talking about walking meetings and I have a nudge checklist in the back a movement checklist in the back of my new book yeah and and he said you know they will get the you know the boss like checking his watch when they come back from a walking meeting and it's like but we're still working mm-hmm. so it's this terrible mentality about if I can't see you you're not working and even you know I used to work in high tech and there was a lot of my I was in HR my clients none of them were in the same city as me so we were always interacting by email and phone and video conference and um occasional trips but uh I had a boss who, when I said I was working from home, even though she was in another city, didn't believe me, so called me every half hour to check on what I was doing. Yeesh. And it's like, wait a sec, you never see me any other day and I'm doing my job. Why would me doing it from home versus driving 25 kilometers to an office make a difference? Right. So,
1: Do you think that if that doesn't happen, that we'll start seeing serious ramifications from it in terms of our health in terms of disease in terms of you know not only our mental health but our physical health and a strain on you know our our, our health care system which is already struggling like is does that, that something maybe that worries you or keeps you up at night that if like this all could come to become a serious problem more serious problem. I'm sure it's a serious problem. (laughs) It really is.
0: I mean, the fact that the World Health Organization has been you know, talking about this for so long, there's actually a sedentary behavior research group of researchers all over the world that do research studies on sedentary behavior and its impact on populations. And I used to work in research. It takes a long time to get stuff up and running Mm. and report about stuff. And they've come up with a they did a consensus a few years ago on terminology for sedentary, prolonger, breaker, physical inactivity, you know, all these different terms so that as people are doing research studies, they know that, yes, this means the same thing as this when we're using this term. Um, I, yeah, it's so, it's you're right, with the healthcare system, it's so problematic already that, and this is where I'm trying to show people that really, they have the power to change for the better. Like, you know, there's no, there's no exercise pill yet. Yeah.
1: Oh, geez. (laughs) But, Uh,
0: but it's also that they need to, you know, take ownership of their bodies. Like if you love your body, then move your body.
1: Just on a quick aside, um, before we wrap up, this is something that I've been, I'm pretty quiet about, but it's something I think about often. The kind of relation between body positivity and being unhealthy because I never want to shame or make some someone feel terrible because they're overweight. Mm -hmm. Um, That, that, that's not what I would ever want to do to somebody, but I also want them to be healthy. What's the, like, is there a balance there coming from like as a health professional that being, you know, can you be like truly overweight and, and still be healthy? absolutely yeah yeah absolutely
0: healthy at any size is important and i mean um i mean you really need to talk to like someone in the eating disorders world i can put you in touch with someone (laughs) who can talk talk. about that (laughs) um but i you can definitely be healthy i mean there was a um, a campaign recently with a whole bunch of different athletes and i don't want to say brand because Mm -hmm. i don't remember who did it but it was a bunch of female athletes and they were all in sports bras and they were all All professional athletes, and every single one of them had a different body type, and they were all fit and healthy, super fit and healthy. But, you know, skinny does not equal healthy, Mm -hmm. and skinny does not equal fit, and fat does not equal unhealthy. And yes, there are cases where people are morbidly obese and something, you know, there needs to be a medical intervention, but there are a lot of people at all different sizes that are healthy and You know, and I mean, I'm not a skinny fitness professional. Mm -hmm. I was built like a soccer player. It doesn't matter how much I exercise. I'm never going to look like a ballet dancer. That's just my body type. And but I'm strong and I'm healthy and I'm fit and I'm, you know, good with where I'm at. I've Mm -hmm. had people say to me, you don't look like a fitness professional. I'm like, what's that supposed to
1: mean? Yeah, that's one of those things. I remember talking on a previous episode with Riley Craig about that perception, especially in the fitness industry, that you're not super ripped and jacked so you can't be a personal trainer yeah. and that it, like it, it it puts an unnecessary like strain and creates division within the own community and it's
0: well and for people clients to tell me that it's like whose body are we working on here
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true right I, and i think that's a just a misconception of so many i guess that's just one of those things where you kind of look at what's on tv what's on instagram what's all that stuff and you're like, Oh, this is my preconceived notion of again, what fit and healthy looks like when really there's right. so many like I like to think I'm health pretty healthy and strong, but I'm I'm definitely not the skinniest either. And as much as I'd love to be a lean soccer player, I'm always gonna be built more like a football player. Yeah.
0: Well, and I I think people, too, get caught up in, if I look at her, like, she's so skinny. If I do that fitness instructor, if I do her exercise class, I'm going to look like her. Mm -hmm. It's like, I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was in my early 20s and I'd go to my hairdresser and I'd have a picture of some celebrity and I'd go, can you give me this haircut? And she would. And then I'd look in the mirror and I'd go, but it's still me. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's like, I don't look any different. It's still me. Just with shorter Uh, hair uh,
1: so
0: it's just you know like there's so much toxicity in the fitness world
1: yeah that's a whole other four hour probably long podcast (laughs) for sure um so move more your life depends on it and balance your body how exercise can help you avoid a fall they're both out now they are um other than amazon is there anywhere people can get it
0: so here in ottawa they can reach out to me i have copies at home okay
1: so we'll definitely put a link to your website and and social media handles what is your website and your social media handles
0: amandastrzik.com
1: okay and strzik is spelt
0: s-t-e-r-c-z-y-k
1: perfect because i trouble saying that um and they can follow you on you're on twitter uh for sure because that's how we met facebook instagram yep youtube
0: yep you're everywhere. <laughs>
1: you're everywhere. That's perfect. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate the conversation. Oh, you're welcome. Thank All right. You. Bye, everybody.
0: You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.